Welcome to the Quit Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza John. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is... Queer, Queer Satire. satire. Oh, intelligent laugh. <laughs> this week, we have the absolute pleasure of talking about the movie that lets us laugh at how ridiculous the idea of conversion therapy actually is, but I'm a cheerleader. This is going to be a good one. But before we dive in, Rowan, what's, I think I know what this is going to be. What's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode? I watched Heartstopper on Netflix. <laughs> that was just the gayest thing that I did. I also did a 90 minute video on the gay pirate show, but I think that literally getting up at 8 a.m. and by 11 a.m. having finished the whole of the Heartstopper season one on Netflix is pretty gay. And I honestly love that for myself. You also went to the screening, right? I did go to the screening. Yeah, I got to see the first two episodes with Alice and the cast and everything. They did a little Q&A. It was very cute. Um, it was also at that everyman cinema where you get to eat food while you're watching a film. And that yeah. was also incredible. Uh, like all of Queer London was turned out to this premiere. Like River Medway was there. Juno was I, there. I'm now pulling a black. Juno, Juno, Juno was there. Like it was, yeah, it was, it looked really cool. Um no one invited me. Nobody wanted me as a plus one. That's totally fine. To be fair, I would have invited you as my plus one, but I didn't get one. And also I only got invited like a day before <laughs> because I messaged Netflix a while ago to be like, please give me a screener. I'm a critic. I'm a reviewer. And they went no. And then I saw that someone else on YouTube had already posted a review before it came out and was like, hey, you know how you said you wouldn't give me a screener because I was a YouTuber? you definitely seem to have like, did I do something wrong? Can I like do something better next time or something? Like, oh, like I'm a baby. And then uh, they message back being like, oh no, that shouldn't have happened. Also, do you want to come to this screening? So I basically finessed my way in be by being a baby. Love that. And then their stock dropped like 35%. Yeah, I, we did come out of that screening and suddenly it was like, oh no, did we, did I do that? Was that me? <laughs> They're never going to invest in queer media ever again. They're going to be like, this is very suspicious. Absolutely not. Um, how about you, Jazza? What was the gayest thing you did? So we've gotten to the point, Rowan, where um, I'm not sure where in the cycle of me bringing up my dating life and relationship with dating apps we are. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember whether I've recently said I've deleted all of the apps or whether I've recently said I've downloaded all of the apps. So I've gone back to downloading all of the apps that mm -hmm. may also have been what happened last time but i've at least gone through one cycle since the last episode of de deleting and and uh, downloading it again i hate it uh so that's like a really fun thing i'm currently in portugal and everybody's going oi at me which is just how you say hey but it still feels quite like aggressive to me and i'm wanting everyone to can you just be nice to me please i'm emotionally damaged love me uh, love that. So basically you're like, I hate myself. I hate my life. I downloaded all the apps and everyone's mm -hmm. shouting at me. So that yeah, seems pretty good. Yeah, if that's not queer life to a T. <laughs> I, I would really appreciate is. if you could screen grab all of your profiles on your various dating sites and send them to me so I can appreciate them and not, you know, just laugh and make fun of you. Rowan, have you met a gay man before and do you know how we date on, on yeah, apps? Yeah, I want to see all like of it's... your nudes is what I'm saying, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I'm not showing you any of my nudes. Thank you very much. Rude. I don't even send nudes to people, I, to <laughs> people I'm trying to impress in that way. <laughs> it's 
In this episode, we will be giving you some background on the portrayal of conversion therapy in media. Surprisingly, not all of them are as laugh-out-loud funny as watching Natasha Leone make out with a man. After which, we'll be splitting the film into three acts for your convenient consumption, of course, as usual. We will be including The Party in Its Aftermath, providing some sneak peeks of production and reception of the movie, and ending, as always, with our very special gay ratings. We are, of course, going to be spoiling all of this movie. So, this episode is for people who have seen the movie or don't care about the movie being spoiled. So without further ado, let's sneak off to cocksuckers in the dead of night and talk about Bala Cheerleader. So, I had the joyous job of doing a little bit of a deep dive into the social phenomenon that is conversion therapy, which uh, I'll be honest, I completely forgot was the main part of this movie because mm. I haven't seen it in a few years. Um, and I We was like, originally, oh. for context for the audience, had this down as the movie for the queer high school movie genre and then realized that mm. there's approximately 30 seconds in the high school and was like, we are going to have to change this genre now. Mm-hmm. So Thank satire God satire exists. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, although, do you think there's enough movies for us to have had queer conversion therapy movies as its own genre? Oh, I'll get into it, Rowan Okay, Ellis. Don't, you, Ta- don't you fucking worry. Sorry, sorry, just giving you that, giving you that segue there. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know what conversion therapy is... Lucky you. Lucky, I mean, aren't you? Aren't, yeah, you're living in a lovely world. But it's essentially the act of trying to change somebody's gender identity or sexual orientation through either psychological or spiritual means. As if the word spiritual doesn't give it away, there's no evidence that conversion therapy quote-unquote works. It is classified as a pseudoscience at best by many psychological professionals and as a form of torture by many campaigners. Some studies uh, that have done meta-analyses from the Journal of the American Medical Association found that LGBTQ plus people who have gone through conversion therapy experience higher levels of psychological distress, substance abuse, depression, and attempts at suicide, as well as this humanitarian cost. Uh, the paper also found that there is a monetary cost to it as well, which of, co- of course is, is need- we need to put a dollar sign in front of everything. Overall, conversion therapy loses the economy about $650 million a year. This is for the US only. And in terms of wider costs and wider harms uh, linked to conversion therapy, the overall burden is estimated at about $8.5 billion. So, conclusion... It's not good. Not is good a bad at all. thing. Well, no. if it's that bad, Jazza, surely it's banned everywhere. Well, I'm glad you well you said that, Rowan, because it ain't. Um, so despite all of these bad things in the United States, it's only banned in 20 states, and even then, it's only banned for minors. Bearing in mind that actually the average age of somebody going through conversion therapy is about 25 years old, which is an adult. The only US jurisdiction to ban conversion therapy for adults is the District of Columbia. And it isn't that much better where Rowan and I are from. Yeah, I was going to say we recently, uh, well, I say recently, I feel like the concept of recently is a little bit skewed with the pandemic having happened. But (laughs) there was kind of a a big push, right, for having this big consultation on conversion therapy and on talking about it on trying to get it banned like it felt like it was this not the only you know like last unequal right by any stretch of the imagination but it but a really big one that was being pointed out you know equal rights is not entirely something that we have in the UK yet and this was a big one tell us a little bit about that Jessica because I feel like that's a particularly um depressing topic 
at this current moment. It's kind of very... Um, very in the news right now. Yeah, there are, there are loads of things happening in the US at the moment to try and repeal some of those protections that queer people do have against um, conversion therapy. But I kind of want to focus a little bit on our expertise, where Rowan and I are from. The Conservative government, which is our centre-right party in the UK, um, have promised to ban conversion therapy uh, for several years now. They've said, sorry, we're working on it. We just want to get it right. We're working really, really hard. And then mid-pandemic, a load of the LGBT supervisors and consultants who were trying to make sure that the legislation was good started quitting this governmental role. This all culminated into a couple of months ago in early 2022 of the government saying we're going to ban conversion therapy. Then they said we're not going to ban conversion therapy and then they said we're going to ban conversion therapy for everyone but for trans people. After which Everybody quit consulting the government and a big event that was going to be held by the UK government ended up being cancelled because every self-respecting LGBTQ plus organisation that was going to attend um, uh, boycotted it. Said absolutely not. Mm -hmm. What the hell? Yeah, not fantastic. It is broadly really difficult to be... (laughs) Uh, trans uh, in the UK at the moment and this is kind of like one of the kind of like real representations Mm. of that um, having real world consequences for our trans siblings as well some people suggest that conversion therapy is a niche issue whereas actually over one in ten american lgbtq plus folks have come across conversion therapy about five percent of british lgbtq plus folks have come across it and that increases with trans people it nearly doubles but because of this huge amount of exposure there is of course uh, a lot of media depicting this uh, not least memoirs like boy erased from garrod Connolly and the novel from emily m danforth the miseducation of cameron post both of which have also also been turned into films uh which it's safe to say have rather heavy themes um mm-hmm. uh, i don't think i've laughed out loud watching either of those movies and to be fair very serious i gave you lots of very grave stats and maybe and we should be taking it seriously so as well as these dramas in queer media there's also a few documentaries like pray away this is what love in action looks like cured all of which tell stories of people going through so-called conversion therapy but i'm a cheerleader i'm pretty sure is the only comedy that depicts conversion therapy of um, people trying to change or being promised that they can change their, their gender identity or sexuality. And actually, this is something I really love about this movie because objectively, conversion therapy is fucking stupid. Mm. Like, the idea of telling somebody to just pretend that you aren't what you are and you can pray it away or you can practice having sex and going through kind of like the performativity of heterosexuality or or cisgender cisgenderism is that a thing i don't know cisgenderness cisgenderedness that idea in itself i think for most queer people i think for any queer person you'd be like well this is bloody ridiculous and i think something that ridiculous that promises something like that should be laughed at in the same way that we laugh at similar 
absolutely ridiculous claims from like Ponzi schemes, from extremists, religious fanatics, and all of those kinds of things. I think that the, a satire like this is like an amazing response to something that is a really horrific part of being a, a queer person across the world at the moment. And that is one of the reasons that I fell in love with this movie again. I think that I think you're right and I think we'll we'll see as we go through the kind of plot of the movie that they also are not afraid to have these moments of more seriousness mm-hmm. um in there to kind of punctuate the severity to kind of be like this is not just like fun and japes like there is some stuff that's like actually kind of messed up at the same time and I enjoyed that kind of contrast and I feel like that was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So, shall we dive into the actual plot of the movie? Let's. Oh, exciting. We are introduced to the iconic Natasha Leone playing Megan, who is a perfectly happy high school senior who loves cheerleading, who um, is dating a man. Mm-hmm. Loves going to the playoffs, eating donut holes, just just mm-hmm. good, clean, heterosexual Gal. clean heterosexual nest. And just like a heterosexual, she loves to make out with her boyfriend so badly and hate it and also be thinking about her cheerleader girlfriends at the same time. Yes. So that's why I have called act one of this movie kissing with your eyes wide open because genuinely one of the funniest things I think have ever been put into cinema is Natasha Lyonne hardcore tonguing this random guy with her eyes wide open, like looking off into the distance in absolute horror Yeah, uh, at, at the straightness of it all. I called this first section, I go to church, I'm a cheerleader, because I just really enjoyed that. It's like kind of like a, sort of like the thesis of a lot of the movie, the idea of the movie of like, oh, you don't, you know, talking about femme identity, talk about like all that kind of stuff. But I just really like that scene and that line, which is in fact in act one, spoiler alert. So yeah, essentially we, I think that this movie, this movie is very short and I feel like it's very compact and I really enjoy how fast paced it is because we pretty much dive straight in with this girl. We immediately figure out that she's uh, probably not straight um, mm-hmm. you know because all of, of the they're cutting away to I, I think actually the first cuts are like close ups on the midriff of cheerleaders and and, and titties flying around mm-hmm. well. and we, we find out very quickly that it is just you know we're going inside of Megan's imagination there mm-hmm. and not just her imagination her everyday life one of the funniest things about this is watching it back as I was making notes as we do before we, we do this show I was literally making notes that were like her not eating meat is pretty fucking gay and then I was like oh no I think I am the homophobes because it was because like it's a joke I'm like yeah this is really funny like she's she's having not even like a proper vegetarian meal just everything all of the sides on a plate apart from the like pot roast or whatever it was the meatloaf at the table mm-hmm. she has like a picture of a girl in her locker like all this stuff I was commenting being like ha 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 so funny oh look I've I've noticed the really subtle set dressing yeah like oh it's very funny and then like these are the reasons that are given for her being gay uh right like this is this is so obvious yes so there's an intervention from her family and friends where they confront her and announce to her that she is a lesbian like mate natasha leone 
Her name's Megan. You are, you are gay. I'm sorry. Look at this. And I love how the mother holds up like a bag as if it's like a bag of cocaine or a bag of drugs or something with a half finished square of tofu. It's like, well, you're vegetarian. Look at this, trying to make us eat this stuff. And I also think it's really interesting like this, because this whole first section is essentially an experience. I think there are a lot of queer people who do understand, which is the idea of like, oh, everyone knew but me. Like everyone around Mm. me figured it out. Uh, And you have her dad like doing the, giving grace at the table at dinner and being like, you know, let's pray for all that's natural, that's healthy, that's sacred, like side-eyeing her the entire time. Uh, you know, her friends not wanting to hug her, like try, like everyone kind of talking about her behind her back. I'm really just uh, kind of plotting to get her to this point where she has this kind of intervention and gets carted off for a few months to to new directions, to the conversion therapy camp. Uh, true directions. Sorry, sorry, sorry that it's not glee. True. Way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Which is really funny because New Directions does sound like nude erections, and I don't know whether they exploited that enough during the show. You've just changed my life. Though, You're welcome. With that fact, thank you. Oh, welcome. The one thing I uh, was literally screaming at uh, mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that the camp counselor Mike is RuPaul Charles from mm-hmm. RuPaul's Drag Race fame, who is now one of the, uh, probably the richest gay person in the world. But I feel like it's underused here purely because we never see RuPaul in drag. No, one of the very few times that we have, like, there's been a RuPaul role that isn't in drag, in fact, which was, like, very deliberate by their their team to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to use she, her pronouns because I always refer to RuPaul as she. And she has a shirt that says, straight is great, wears, like, these tight blue short shorts very camp you know very camp chic hey honestly i want th- i want this whole outfit and i'm willing for this to be my next halloween costume i'll be completely i honest. want you to do that so badly that would be incredible maybe i'll dress up as megan and you can dress up as mike and that will be our halloween i outfit. love this beautiful i love this excellent so i think that something else that's really interesting here is we get this first hints at some of the rhetoric and some of the indoctrination that happened within the camp because we have the idea of her being influenced they say like you're being influenced and i think that that is like a very telling right like this idea of it's not something that occurs like naturally it's not a normal part of someone the same as being straight or being gay being bi like whatever it is it's something that you had like placed upon you that you got influenced into and i think that we can see the aftermath of that kind of nonsense with like stuff that's still happening today with like the don't say gay bill in Florida mm-hmm. and like all of these kind of different laws and bills that are coming in and with the general attitudes that people have that mean that the idea is like it's better left unsaid. And the fact that this was a film that was made so long ago and it's still... 1999 it came out. Those those kind of fears like over 20 years ago are still apparently like with us. I think it's just mm-hmm. so <laughs> depressing to be honest. Um, Even in what is like a very fun movie and like kind of a fun scene. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Great, this again. So they end up packing off Megan to the conversion camp, which is, I mean, a really lovely uh, detached house uh, in the middle of the countryside. And we're introduced to this. I, w- I want to talk about the uh, the set a mm, little bit. Yes. Because everything is like block 
colours. Mm-hmm. Everything masculine is like blue. baby blue. Everything yep. feminine is like bright neon pink. We have these sets of kind of like the classrooms where all of the students come to try and learn their traditional, quote unquote, traditional gender roles. Mm-hmm. Vacuuming, that traditional yep. thing that people have done for centuries. Chopping wood that they still do. I will be completely honest. I do love the idea of going to like a, a camp and just learning how to chop wood properly. Like I think Yeah, that's... that wasn't going to convert you into being straight though, Jasper, I don't think. I feel like that's... No, complete opposite. Yeah, uh, uh, it feels... Yeah. You're like, this is just part of my gay identity is chopping wood. Yeah, definitely. I think, okay, so one thing I, I noticed that I think is really interesting is I was like, the house particularly, like it's very blue and pink, even the outside is painted that way. And I was like, there is something about this house. And then I realised that the shape of it is the quintessential haunted house shape from like that kind of very campy American (laughs) media. It's like a camp haunted house. And I was like, this feels very fitting. Mm -hmm. It even looks like the same thing of like American Horror Story. Like the, the the first season house. Yeah. So we meet Mary, who is the woman who runs this camp. And interesting, I had, I kind of like, we'll slip a little bit of context in here because I think it is interesting that she is specifically meant to represent in her very like the cleanliness and like the germaphobe part of her and like everything very ordered with like plastic flowers, the fake sky backdrops in the background, kind of like rubber outfits is specifically uh, representing AIDS paranoia and like a very particular kind of homophobia, which I think is really interesting. You kind of have like the religious homophobia, you have this kind of like AIDS related homophobia that crops up in people, like all of these different kind of ways in which it can manifest, which I think is really, it's really interesting because there's a lot of this stuff that's very symbolic and very represented rather than like explicitly said in part, because I think to explicitly say a lot of this stuff would just be like traumatic, to be honest, in the middle of this satire. Like it feels like it was like, it's very difficult to have this like cute romance at the heart of it. If you're like fully being obvious about what you're making metaphors and representations about. So it's interesting to like afterwards listen to interviews and, and hear what they were trying to do, but probably quite a good thing that they didn't necessarily include it in the actual, in the actual movie itself. I love rock who is Mary. I bet you do. Definitely. Oh my God. Like it's, I mean, like tight denim shorts um mm-hmm. a, an overly camp man who is called the rock? son of a woman called rock who is the son of a woman who runs a conversion camp i can guarantee every gay man watching this adores mary as a character because she is the highest of high camp mm-hmm. she's perfectly quaffed all of the time is incredibly like powerful sassy and then she's got this gay son um i wonder why she started a conversion camp i know right i know backstory but yeah we have uh this re- like that's a really funny kind of like callback every time where he'll be sipping uh orange juice out of a curly straw or he'll be listening to a rupaul track while he's doing the streaming in the garden it was really base level bad humor but that's my jibe you know yeah i can Mm -hmm. tell you got that look you got that dad (laughs) joke look about you and so basically megan arrives at this camp they realize that everyone else has already been there for a day and they already are far ahead of her because they've all done step one admitting you're a homosexual which megan struggles with essentially everyone else is saying you know like i'm jan i'm a softball player and i'm a homosexual just all of these classic little like asides can I, I, this is my favorite 
character introduction moment in any film I think that I've ever seen Mm -hmm. because they all go with primary characteristic and then secondary characteristic I'm a homosexual yeah so they go like I'm a subtle player and I'm a homosexual I'm a Jew and I'm a homosexual I like pain and I'm a homosexual <laughs> um I work in retail and, and I'm, I'm a homosexual, homosexual. um uh, I fucking loved this shit it was so stupid it was brilliant mm-hmm. and we, we've already kind of just before that scene had you know the introduction to Graham who is like smoking on the bed being all cool and attractive and like Mm -hmm. the rebel of the group which will be really interesting when we come full circle to like the end and and we see the trajectory of like both Megan and Graham and and kind of how they go through because at this point I think you're kind of assuming Graham's the bad girl of the group like Graham's the one who's gonna get like kicked out or or be kind of like the one who's breaking all the rules so there's a really interesting expectation that's set up and you have Megan essentially be like oh I shouldn't even be here like I'm a I go to church I'm a cheerleader hence the but I'm a cheerleader title with the idea the implication being like oh but I'm not like a lesbian like I'm different I'm normal and everyone had to kind of point out to her like hey so you know how you think of women I don't know if everyone thinks of women that way Megan and I think that word normal comes up a lot right the idea of like you think that's normal I just want to be normal and the implication obviously being that like if you are gay if you aren't straight then there is something like missing there's something wrong there's something abnormal in a way that that because it's technically within I don't know if you're looking at like percentages of a population more statistically unusual than it is to be straight doesn't necessarily mean that it's not normal in that way and I think that just like hearing that language from these kids in like a very funny scene at the same time if you let yourself think about it too hard you're like oh this is real messed up like this is really sad these kids are like judging each other and being kind of encouraged to police each other within this setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they literally do, like they, they rat on one another um, later on um, when he, when uh, different couples that obviously end up pairing off at a gay conversion camp when you get a load of queer kids together. I wonder what's going to happen, mm-hmm. society. But they uh, there, was, there was part of Megan kind of having this realisation that she isn't normal. I was like... I almost wanted her to be protected from this realization that she isn't. Like there was a sweet innocence to, oh, like being attracted to girls is normal. Like I'm I'm just like everybody else. Everybody is thinking that. And I think that breaking of her interpretation of like what everybody else is in society is, that was kind of like really heartbreaking. And I wanted for her to be able to stay in that protected little mm. bubble. Um, but obviously she's not able to live her quote unquote full truth until she actually kind of like does ironically take this first step and admit that she's uh queer um in the at this conversion camp yeah they're actually doing great stuff for the gay community at this this conversion camp they're really helping them out i think specifically like when she says like i'm a homosexual she's kind of like almost having this ecstatic experience like this in the most like like old school version of that word like she's crying she's laughing she's kind of dribbling a bit and then she's just like left alone she has this really dramatic moment and immediately everyone leaves her and she's just alone with this realization and I think that that's just such a again like this kind of when you're looking at satire of something that is like so damaging and so like life destroying for so many people that you can have these moments of like comedy and tension and like laughing and crying like within the same moment and it kind of strengthens for me like the satire more to have both the serious and the 
the comic kind of intertwining to the point where you're like, is she laughing? Is she crying? Like, what are we meant to think in this moment? Like that unease, I think, worked super well. And then we moved on. So they're going through a five-step program. First step was admitting that you were homosexual. Secondly was rediscovering your gender identity. They go through like family therapy, demystifying the opposite sex. They have to figure out their roots. They've got to figure out why they're gay. So th- this is a bit I kind of wanted to touch on, like the the root of, mm. and you, you spoke about it earlier, this thing that supposedly was the trigger that caused them to be gay. One of the characters says it was because he was in a locker room and changed in front of other boys and they were like they dismissed that completely it's like uh no that's that's what everybody does it's not possible that you're that that's your your root of being uh of being a homosexual mm-hmm. yeah roots roots are things like my mother got married in pants and i was born in france both of those are mm-hmm. are roots and actually having just realized those rhyme i've not seen the but i'm a cheerleader musical which does exist but if those two aren't lyrics in the musical like rhyming couplet lyrics i'm gonna be very disappointed because that was genius she says humbly i say well just their own script was brilliant um (laughs) but it is like so ridiculous and it's that satirization right of like hey like why could you possibly be gay this idea of like oh okay if there's a reason i guess hmm, let me think back through my childhood what was weird about it like nothing except i guess that one time on her wedding day when my mother like was slightly less feminine than she should have been. And they're like, yes, of course, that is why it happened. That was the root of the evil. Can I just say, there is nothing more feminine than a well-tailored pantsuit. Um, I, I don't understand the logic of this movie. I mean, Minnie Mouse has just worn one for the 30th anniversary of Disneyland Paris, and she looked very fetching. That, <laughs> a fashion icon. Be, of course. <laughs> Same polka dot dress for, what, 80 years? Exactly. I also really enjoyed, there's like a, one of the things that they have to do is, <laughs> the quote is, I think, one of the most wonderful things about being heterosexual, friendship, which is... <laughs> yeah, I love that. Which well. is like both funny in the context because it's like, oh, you're going to like put a load of gay girls and gay guys together into little friendship couples. Like, oh, how, how's that going to work out? But also I think it's an interesting commentary on the inability of movies and TV shows from portraying queer friendship. Like they just are really bad at it in part because they only like to have like one gay character, maybe two if they're a couple, but there isn't really this showing of like real queer community, real queer solidarity and friendship. And this idea of like, oh, friendship is like a purely heterosexual exercise, which is so far from the truth. It is hysterical. Rowan, you can't have more than one gay character. How are straight people going to be able to tell them apart? Absolutely not. Anyway, go watch Heartstopper. Um, so <laughs> where everyone is gay. So yeah, it's, it's, it's this... Uh, program which is based on that kind of like 12-step program style which in this case just makes absolutely no sense it's just complete nonsense and isn't really working and I think a lot of the teens at this point are kind of admitting that it isn't working they all are like kind of going through the motions but aren't necessarily you know feeling Mm -hmm. it but Megan but Megan does I Mm -hmm. think she 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 comes to has kind of a bit of a false epiphany about what her route was where her dad was unemployed a bit and her mum had to be the the breadwinner of the family for nine months for nine months that was it a gestation period for a pregnancy Mm, that was enough just enough just enough Mary goes yes that's it Megan has to do a uh, make a cheer for everybody because she's a cheerleader so she goes five six seven eight god is 
loves you and is really straight or something along God is good. And then Megan uh, Graham's like, God is straight. And Megan gives her such a dirty look. She's like, take this seriously. This is cheerleading. It's important to me, Graham. <laughs> so she gets a load of kudos for that. Then Megan becomes the snitch. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very rude of her considering she literally was, she becomes a snitch as she is masturbating to the thought of Graham. Mm-hmm. How dare I mean, she? who isn't masturbating to the thought of Graham at this point? She's a little rat at this point, mm-hmm. bless her. So the person who said that they uh, their secondary personality type was working in retail and Rufio from the uh, Peter Pan movie are making out on the principal office floor and Natasha Leone comes up and screams at the top of her lungs um, and dobs them to both in. Mm-hmm. The retail boy gets put in a doghouse or dollhouse for like several days i think as punishment Mm -hmm. it's really messed up and rufio gets kicked out and just has to leave which is very sad yeah well until we find out what happens to him moving on to with that act two the party and its aftermath of course of course chef's kiss Hello, dear listener, Jazza here to put some ads into your ears in this episode. It is the best time of year. Multitude survey summer. This is your chance to give us feedback on what you think of uh, the Queer Movie Podcast and the other Multitude shows um, and what you want to see us do next. This is obviously the first time that Queer Movie Podcast has been part of it, so get over there and give them some some good feedback. You can go over and suggest new merch, tell us where we should go to do live shows. London would be very convenient for me. Uh, Name your favourite small businesses as potential sponsors. There's so many things that you can do to help us have more impact and to give feedback for us here on the show uh, and for the rest of Multitude. Um, So all you have to do is write this down or type it in your browser. I don't know. uh, All you have to do is go to multitude.productions slash survey. Last year, we got 1,200 responses and we want to give it a queer movie podcast boost. So go out, make us look good, do us proud kids um you can enjoy uh, as well as questions some photos emojis and loads of other stuff so go to multitude.productions slash survey that's multitude.productions slash survey make us look good squarespace is the internet well not quite but it can help you become one with the information superhighway. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform where you can build a brand and set up a business with your very own website. And they are supporting the Queer Movie Podcast. That's very nice of them, isn't it? Even if you ain't that good at the computer stuffs, Squarespace can help you build a window into your business, project, or interneting community. Both your favourite queer internet parents, me, Jessa John, and my busy lesbian co-host, Rowan Ellis, love the fact that you can use Squarespace to not just build a fancy website, but also connect all of your social media in one place, dive deep into your site's analytics, and you can also use it as a way to run your email campaigns, because no one can trust the algorithm anymore. 
Does that sound good? You can take advantage of an exclusive promotional offer being made available with Queer Movie Podcast and help support the show as well because we get a little cut whenever you sign up. Just go to squarespace.com slash queermovie and when you're set up to make all your digital business dreams come true, you can use the offer code queermovie, that's all one word, to save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase of a website or a domain name. Help us out and create your own online things. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) I'm tired. Remember to go to squarespace.com slash queermovie. All right, now let's get back to the episode. (laughs) I do really like it when it really... When we don't have to work to find the party. Oh, yeah, this was great. They literally, they all decide that they're going to sneak out. All of the kids decide they're going to sneak out to, I don't know where Megan thinks they're going, but obviously they're going to a gay bar and she Mm -hmm. like gets bundled into this van with like two gay men who are like ex-ex gays who who had been through uh, the True Directions, you know, uh, torture, conversion therapy nonsense. Uh, and I come out the other side just very gay and currently live in a house where they essentially just sort of like foster queer kids who have like escaped from bad situations, including New Directions itself. And, mm-hmm. you know, Megan goes through this whole bus ride with these guys and at no point does she clock, hmm, maybe we're going to a gay bar. Yeah, and it's called uh, the, uh, the, what's it called? The Cocksuckers. Yeah, it's called Cocksuckers, <laughs> the gay bar, because it's very subtle. Yeah, definitely. Um, but... Uh, I wouldn't expect it, but it seems to be um, kind of like completely queer inclusive. It's not just gay men who are allowed in there, mm-hmm. despite the, I'm, I mean, the very graphic name. Um, I love the two kind of like gay dads uh, who great. are going around adopting the queer kids. Lloyd and Larry Morgan Jordan is their name. I love them so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. We see them have an argument later on and they're so emotionally aware. They're so cute. Um, uh, that's all I want in my life. It's mm-hmm. really adorable. So they end up maybe having a beer or two, seeing an alternative to the restrictive lifestyle that is given to them at True Directions. And then Megan and Graham swap spit they kiss and it's really funny in that scene because this whole time natasha has been doing a very sweet light you know butter wouldn't melt voice for megan but in that scene in particular her actual voice which is notoriously husky starts to peek through it's constantly just on the just like you know out of shot ready to jump in and as someone who has been watching season two of russian doll this past week it's really funny seeing her in this role and being like this very cute, blonde, straight haired, like sweet voiced girl. And then in this scene, I was like, there it is. I see it. But yeah, so they have this kiss outside in the alleyway. They kind of like uh, kiss again. They just keep on kissing. Hey, it's hot. It's great. Like, like it's really, it's re- also these makeout scenes are literally the polar opposite of um, Natasha Leone kissing a man with her eyes wide I know, open, right? like a deer in the headlights. Like these scenes are uh, like a single kind of like crack in the door lighting. Everything's kind of like slightly like off pink and it's mm, really tastefully done. Cute. It's really, it's really pretty. And you just feel like this is what Megan was meant for. Yeah, they managed to, they hug in the van on the way back. They managed to sneak back in without Mary seeing them. Everything is going great. I'm sure nothing can possibly go wrong. Ha 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 ha. Very good. So there is, we haven't talked in depth very much about the other kids at the camp, but there is this one goth girl 
whose personality was I like pain. Mm-hmm. And like one of the really horrible parts, apart from all of it, one of the really horrible parts of conversion therapy is often there was aversion therapy, which is where you um, will try and uh, associate something that you're trying to quit or something that you're trying to kind of like not like anymore, like the same uh, the same sex, associate that with pain so you don't like it anymore. But she enjoys the pain and so is just under the sheets the whole time uh, zapping herself. She wanted to get with Graham and then got jealous. Lesbians. What are they like? What are they bloody like? <laughs> what are they like? And uh, so the goth girl ends up finding Graham and Megan one day and telling on them, after which... They kind of get pitted against one another. Mm -hmm. Graham's family comes and like we've found out that Graham, her mum left her and she now only has her dad left. And so she's really, really wants to be able to graduate this so she can continue to have a relationship with her family. And so Graham kind of throws Megan under the bus uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, Megan gets kicked out. It's been made really clear that Megan doesn't have a family to go back to if she doesn't graduate. And... Again, kind of like making light to a certain extent of like a really real and and uh, like horrible thing that loads of especially queer young kids go through. But I'm kind of okay with it touching on like these really, really heavy themes mm-hmm. um, because it handles the rest of the, the film so well. But Megan wanders off, goes and hangs out with... Lloyd and Larry. Uh, the lads. La- La- Larry and Lloyd are, are faves um, and finds out that Rufio was there the whole time. Yeah. he. Are, my favorite thing is she basically comes in and is like, okay, guys, I've come because I thought you could teach me how to be a lesbian. What do they do? Where do they live? Like, <laughs> how do I find them? And so it's really, it's really contrasted, right? Because it's not like the conversion therapy teaches you how to be straight and the gays teach you how to be gay. The gays are like, oh, it's like, that's not how it works like they're very supportive it's very freeing like it's a completely different circumstance and so when Megan is in this um house we also have this very cute like argument that Lloyd and Larry have which essentially just ends with them like apologizing to each other and being very sweet and just like modeling what a healthy relationship should be in direct contrast to this weird heterosexual cis normative like kind of relationship that they've been forced to like simulate this entire time that feels very unequal and very rigid and like you have to be taught how to uh, like interact with the opposite sex because they're so different and and strange and scary and like it's Mm -hmm. it's really interesting seeing that kind of contrast in a way yeah i for one find you absolutely terrifying oh completely yeah just i'm the worst and so uh rufio um whose name is Dolph in this and uh Megan essentially have this chat about both of the fact that both of them have left someone at New Directions and they make a plan to get them back I love this so much We're we're into act 3 at this point right we're very much into Act Three. I've called this because of the the dominance of Larry and Lloyd, and and the fact that they have this beautiful space where queer lost queer kids can like find a family for as long as they need. Mm-hmm. So I've called it the Homo Halfway House. Oh, cute! I just called it. This is fate with like exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, which will become apparent later on. So they've decided, we kind of know in the background, something's going on. There's a plan of brewing with Dolph and Megan that they're going to try and get Clayton. Sorry, and... Ru- Rufio and Megan. Sorry, Rufio and Megan are trying to get Dolph and Clayton back. No, they're trying to get Clayton and Graham back. 
names. And so while this is happening, while we know that something is going on in the background, we flash through to there's like final exam, graduation, sexual like stimulation, simulation that the um, kids who are at New Directions have to go through in order to graduate. And essentially it is a, uh, you know, Mary, the woman in charge, making these kids dress in like skin type morph suits that stimulate mm -hmm. them essentially being naked apart from like leaves covering them and then instructs them on how to do sex and i think that this is like very clearly satirizing the idea of like how although there is this idea that like gay people are like sexualizing young people they're converting young people actually kind of straight people have the monopoly on sexualizing and like manipulating young people right the idea of mm -hmm. like having t-shirts for a two-year-old saying little heartbreaker on it or mm -hmm. you know like best future girlfriend like just nonsense that you see all the time and that actually this like very creepy thing is very much coming from this uh, aggressively heterosexual place instead indoctrination exactly really. yeah yeah 100 percent. we do get to watch uh rock in a, a skin dyke bodysuit though so um, i mean i can't give this a zero out of ten as a scene mm-hmm we also see the plan that Rufio and Megan have revolves around them getting dressed up in like faux army fatigues. And I loved, I loved incredible this. Incredible like outfit. Commi a quiz, commitment to a look. Commit to the we bit. know what we're doing. I love yeah. it. And decide that they are going to go to crash graduation they have a moment I think what's really interesting is it's not just the idea of like oh sweet like I've made it out I'm free I can move on now like there was genuine affection between them it wasn't just a case of like oh we just happen to be like at the same conversion therapy like we don't care about those people anymore we're leaving like we escaped and that's enough I think there was this kind of more of a slight solidarity idea of like and we should also maybe go and like try and give them the opportunity because mm -hmm. it, it isn't like oh you can leave and everything will be great like we know for a fact that these for these kids to leave they would be giving up like any kind of security any contact with their kind of biological family that was raising them or mm -hmm. like you know the the family that they'd had it is like a big step it's not something that's just like easy to do and i feel like we're meant to kind of feel the weight of that mm -hmm. yeah fuck the goth girl and the jewish guy though they can they can stay and live in their life they can just they can they can have fun at their wedding ceremony, which is apparently what graduation looks like for this particular thing. Very culty, very pressurizing, very indoctrinating again. Mm -hmm. And at first, great like Megan goes to try and rescue Graham and Graham rejects her. Graham's like, you need to leave, basically, as she gets kind of mm -hmm. grabbed at the beginning of the ceremony and walks down the aisle and is apparently totally ready to go for it. Totally ready to be married to straightness. Oh, but then, but then, um, my heart sings when this happens because I had apart from it, like it's peppered throughout the movie, but I'd kind of forgotten that the whole thing of like the movie and Megan's character is that she's a cheerleader. Mm, that is um, indeed what and, it is because we haven't really seen her do any cheering at all. She just keeps on saying, "I'm a cheerleader." She loves cheering, but I cheer. Oh my god, I love cheering so much. Maybe one day you can see me cheer. Um, and then she. <laughs> runs away gets dressed gets changes her outfit gets dressed from the army khakis into a cheerleading outfit with her pom-poms and does a cheer for graham and then graham goes i love you now and then they make out and they run away yeah so basically there's this like iconic cheer cheer scene which is what everyone remembers from this movie and it's the same music under it as that what happens uh when they're having sex which is essentially i had a sudden like 
moment where I was like, oh, these are like the Bridgerton strings. And was like, I, it's, it sounds like it could be out of the Bridgerton soundtrack, which was very, I was like disconcerting. I was like, but that show doesn't have any homosexuals in it. And so we also have this, but it's essentially like a very personal serenade, which is a very clear, like straight movie trope that we obviously have done better here. And I love that for us. Mm-hmm. And we, we're allowed like a second of doubt. We're allowed a second of Megan, like Graham not immediately running to her, Megan being like, oh no and then just running away and we think for a second she's like drive drive like get me out of it this is so mm-hmm. fucking embarrassing uh and then graham comes in and then they make out in the truck and we just are invited to not necessarily think about how all of the ways in which this might actually be quite difficult for them going forwards because it's a very cute ending and love is love and everything's fine it's a very cute abrupt ending it's a very uh, cute but abrupt then, ending. But, but but then we do have the ending where the parents of megan who said that they were going to disown her she didn't pass straight camp they joined a parents and friends of lesbians and gays like a p-flag meeting and then it ends and then we have like a montage and it ends the end and actually something i've just realized after you mentioned the miseducation of cameron post is that is also how it's almost cameron post exactly ends, the same which right? was yeah. one of the most annoying things for me was the fact that they chose that scene as the movie poster because mm. it's like the it's like such a massive spoiler and it's on the movie poster it's on all of the reprints of the book and i'm very annoyed about it but that's a different movie for a different time mm. shall we chat in that case, shall I tell you a little bit about the production of this and um, kind of how it got made and what was going on behind the scenes? I would love that. So this movie was written actually by a gay man, Brian Wayne Peterson, and was directed by Jamie Babbitt. It was uh, the directorial debut in terms of feature films, at least. She directed two shorts previously and it got sold at Sundance on kind of a script and a pitch. The one sentence pitch being two high school girls fall in love at a reparative therapy camp. Pretty much, yeah, that's the that's that's the plot mm-hmm. of the yeah, movie. Pretty much. That's pretty much it. So it was inspired by the fact that Babbitt's mother ran a halfway house called New Directions for young people, but young people with drug and alcohol um, issues. And so was interested in making like a comedy that involved rehab and the 12 step program. But then also read an article about a man who had returned from reparative therapy camp, like gay therapy, like and the negative effects it had on him and decided to kind of combine the two ideas. And specifically, it was at a time where films like Go Fish and The Watermelon Woman had come out and she talks about wanting to have like a femme perspective on that sort of angle, on that kind of genre and to satirize the sort of religious right element of um, Mm -hmm. homophobia, which I think done successfully, indeed. It is like a really interesting part of the movie, right? Like how Natasha Lyonne's character is like especially how we know her now, how femme Megan is Mm -hmm. and how that is kind of like portrayed as a way that uh, how she like thinks of herself as not not possibly queer in any way. Yeah. And there's actually also another secondary character who presents really butch, but runs out of the the conversion Mm -hmm. therapy camp because they're like, I just wear car keys and cut my hair short. I'm not gay i'm straight i like girls i like boys like there's a bit in the middle where just out of nowhere she goes i like balls and they're like yeah sure (laughs) and i was like oh no it not she doesn't mean like sports balls like you know i'm a jock i'm like this is why i'm gay because i'm butch it's like no no she means actual balls so this is definitely babbitt's like most known and celebrated movie she's done a lot of television work and one quote that stuck out to me um was quite of quite sad is that she talks about the fact that television work enables her to earn money while pursuing 
her long-term goal of making feature films. And after having such a celebrated movie, basically she's only ever made uh, six of them. And they kind of mm. happen like every six years. And also like the rest of them were never as well received. This one, however, having said that, it's very well received by the audience. It has a 64% rating, only 41% in terms of critics. So kind of similar to all of her movies, critical scores, terrible. Audience scores tend to be better than the critics ones. And I think this is I'm definitely- I'm feeling that there's a mirror here. We've we've talked about it before, right? Of mm -hmm. the fact that I'm thinking especially of Jennifer's Body, mm -hmm. where critics slammed it, but because the critics who are in the positions where they're able to write these reviews are not necessarily from the demographic for whom the film is made for. Exactly. And this is an, a queer- classic like it's it's such a, a well-known and and loved movie yes i can't believe that people didn't get this and love it no absolutely not and so i think it'll be really interesting to see i think this is actually the only film of hers i have seen i know that another one that's like kind of like as iconic status in lesbian circles is itty bitty titty committee which is one of her uh films that she did after this one Oh, great name. Um, which I haven't watched, but now I'm like, oh, I've got to remind myself to do that. So this was also kind of had some controversy in terms of the other kind of rating, the age ratings of the movie. So there was a documentary in 2006 called This Film Is Not Yet Rated, which talks a lot about like how age ratings come up with films. Um, and Babbitt was interviewed. Basically, it's kind of suggested that the film's like gay content was treated more stringently than straight content um, and this was across mm. like many films and that there were these scenes also running parallel to that scenes of female sexuality were treated more harshly than male sexuality so like female masturbation scenes were treated as like way more explicit than male masturbation even if you see the same amount or lack of amount mm -hmm. and so there had been a lot of suggestions that the age rating originally for this film which I think was kind of rated R rated 15 was too high like it wasn't kind of appropriate and I think that that mm. again is kind of like I ironic it ties in with the theming of the movie really for that to have been the case like un inappropriate for young people especially in the 1990s as well when this came out where like don't ask don't tell was still, yeah like, like uh, section 28 was still a thing in the mm -hmm. UK like can't it, let it, the kids know about this even though it's literally a movie about teenagers yeah, yeah right, exactly so the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was the casting of this so mm. one of the funniest things in the world, and it happens every single time she's in a new movie, is everyone <laughs> thinking Natasha Lyonne is gay. She's straight. <laughs> she's she's I really, a straight I really want icon. her to be one of us. I know. Everyone does. <laughs> um, so the pers first person to be cast was Claire Duvall because she had already been in one of Babbitt's previous mm -hmm. short films. Who plays, gr plays great. Who plays great right. and is mm -hmm. gay. Uh, notorious mm -hmm. lesbian. But Claire Duvall was, <laughs> was really good friends with Natasha Lyonne. And Claire left the script of by my cheerleader in the back of her car and Natasha Lyonne stole it basically and read it. Um, sneaky, sneaky and so and was so. like, I have to be in this movie. And they didn't actually originally want her for the movie. So they had like other people considered. So there was another actress they really wanted, but that actress pulled out, like turned it down because her because of her religious beliefs and because she didn't oh want her family god. to see her like in the movie and on the poster and stuff oh my god this is literally almost the same thing that we talked about with margarita with a yeah. store of the last episode yeah. right? um and then rosario dawson was also considered but they're basically the team decided that in order for it to like fully lean into the kind of satirical american dream like 
1950s style they needed like a white character in that central role but that they made an effort to cast that makes me uncomfortable i don't think so i think that makes total sense i think that the whole point of what it's satirizing would not have worked if you then put someone who wasn't this very stereotypical skinny like feminine pretty white girl who was the epitome of what should have been heterosexual and what should have been cis normative into this role in order to be like okay this is taking to the extremes and then they were very specifically like we don't want this to just become all white so within the roles that it makes sense for us to where we aren't specifically satirizing that we want to have people of color for mike for dolph for andre very specifically yeah i do understand that but i think that that is with rosario dawson that would have been a, such a cool thing to maybe like approach it from a poc perspective a little bit more because there's obviously re- religiosity in a load of those communities in the us and i think it is but i think that's a different movie like i think there's a movie yeah, in which yeah, rosario right. dawson mm-hmm. has like an interesting specifically hispanic family like religious family background thing but i think it's very different from like the very particular stepford wives 1950s like right that's what what it ends up subverting yeah sure i understand that let's just remake it with yeah everyone like she she can play a 17 year old that's fine (laughs) she can do anything i believe hollywood has done weirder things (laughs) so yeah so this the the casting kind of ended up falling as it was and these um actresses have essentially gone on to more kind of uh, praise and critical acclaim than the director ended up mm. kind of going on to, although she has like had a very prolific career within within television, but television directing tends not to have as much prestige. Mm-hmm. Claire Duvall actually has also directed, her directorial debut was Happiest Season, mm. which is the Christmas movie with Mackenzie Davis and Christian Stewart and Aubrey Plaza that was very mixed reviews, but was the reason why it had such a big hype around it was because it was Claire Duvall is making a lesbian Christmas movie. Like that was a huge <laughs> thing because she has kind of become this cultural icon because of this movie. Hey, and I can't wait to review that one of these holiday seasons in the future. One of these holiday seasons. So yeah, that is essentially what was going on behind the scenes. It was a reasonably low budget. It was originally half a million. And then when it went into production, it got raised to a million, which is not a lot. I mean, a million dollars is a lot of money, but it's not a lot for a for a feature film. And I think all of her movies have been reasonably modest. Modest. I think that there have mm. been some releases, the kind of limited releases in cinemas of some, but ultimately it just it's never really played out. But this is kind of to have this as your directorial debut. What a what an iconic film to to have said that you've directed to have made because it's it's means a lot to a lot of people. I'm so happy that this is in the world and that this perspective on this phenomenon is presented because sometimes satire is the the greatest weapon we have against like some of the worst stuff that happens in the world and I'm so happy that like not every, like it's nice not to have just a, another sad gay movie, you know what I mean? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So in our queer ratings, we give our movies colours from the six-barred rainbow flag, the pride flag. So we can choose from red, orange, yellow, green, blue, or purple. Rowan, how many are you going to give But I'm a Cheerleader? And which ones? I think I'm going to give it... Five. Oh, what what is missing from your rainbow flag? Mm. You know what? I'm I'm nature is going to be missing because I don't like all this talk of what's natural. 
Green is out of there. <laughs> and homosexuality yeah. is unnatural. It's very, yeah. it's a great movie and it's an absolute classic, but it's not at the level of like uh, some of my super, super, super favorite movies like uh, Pride and like Handmaiden that we've talked about before that would be six for me. Get out of here. Yeah. And Love, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolute. <laughs> How about you, Jezza? Uh, I, I, I think I'm... This is this is one of my favorites, but I don't think I can give it a full six. Just I think it has it. It is nearly there as like mm-hmm. an absolute masterpiece, but I think it's somewhat held back by maybe the lack of budget and scope that mm. it was able to go into. And so I'm also going to give it five, but I'm going to leave out healing, which is orange, because I wanted there to be some more explicit healing than just a 20-second cutaway to a P-flag meeting. That's fair. That's very fair. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to that episode about the absolute cult classic, But I'm a Cheerleader. If you would like to let us know what you thought about our opinions, this episode, and or the movie itself, then please let us know over on our Twitter and or our Instagram at Queer Movie Pod, we would love to hear from you. Both, please. We like to hear from you wherever. Um, speaking of which, you can also join our Discord if you choose to support us on Patreon. Our patrons really do allow us to put in uh, the hours of research and um, uh, preparation and hosting fees and all of that kind of stuff uh, that go into putting together a podcast like this and recording, recording all of these episodes. Um, if you join our Patreon, you gain access to our Discord, where every month we do a watch-along uh, of a new queer movie one of which in the past was but i'm a cheerleader we did indeed watch watch this movie with everyone Mm -hmm. it was very fun very fun but yeah come along support the pod join our community everyone's nice yeah also if this is your first time or second time third time and you still aren't followed and subscribed what are you doing follow and subscribe the podcast so you're primed for our next episode directly on whatever your chosen podcast app is. Thank you so much for listening. You'll hear from us very soon. Toodaloo. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with everything podcast related. If you feel entertained, please do think about supporting us over on Patreon. Our patrons really do allow us to put in the hours of research and recording that goes into these episodes. So sincerely, thank you. One of our perks on Patreon is a queer movie watch-along every last Saturday of the month exclusively for our patrons hosted on our Discord. Gay fun really is had by all, so come join us. The Queer Movie Podcast is edited by Julia Shafini. We're also part of Multitude Productions, so make sure you check out all of their other awesome podcasts full of both fun and frivolity. Make sure you follow and subscribe to this here podcast so that you are primed for our next episode thank you very much my darlings you will hear us very soon toodaloo Uh, bye